0: We're going to play a game tonight to start off with. So, a little game going on. Who likes chocolate? Anybody like chocolate yeah. in the room? You like the straight old original? Mm, Hershey's Bar? Okay. So, here's what we're going to do. You cannot hurt anybody. That's rule number one, right? No hurting the people around you. No more visits from the ambulance. We've had too many already this month, all right? So, we're going to be safe tonight. We're going to be safe. But the first person to whatever you brought tonight on you or in a bag or whatever's around you in your little area. Don't be stealing from other people, okay? But what's yours tonight, if you can find the object that I asked for, you were the first person up to this stage to hand it to me tonight without hurting people, all right? No parkour over people's heads, jumping off chairs and all that stuff, right? But you get out and you move like a quick, and you get up here and you're the first and it's the right object, you will win Mm, that Hershey's bar right there, okay? All right? And bam, I got three of them, okay? I got three. I got three tonight. So so here's what we're going to do. First thing, first thing, are you ready for our first object of the night? Remember, don't hurt anybody, okay? All right. I want a paperclip. There's got to be some crazy person in here with a paperclip, some girl, in her purse, reaching down deep in that purse. Somebody came with a fanny pack. Huh? No paper clips. Okay. All right. Do you have it? Now that's going to be on you. It's going to be on you. Oh, I guess I'm eating this one. Hmm. See how I planned this out? <laughs> All right. Number two. Here's a second object. You might have this one. Make sure you dig deep. You might have it, like, in your pockets. Pull out all that lint. Look below the lint and the gross, like, old piece of gum you got in there from four years ago, right? Wash your clothes once in a while. Okay, here we go. Number two. Burt's Bees Chapstick. It's going to be Burt's Bees. It's going to be the best of the best in Chapstick. Oh, 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 no, no. You're gonna, Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it's coconut pear, too. Oh, yeah. All right, here you go. Mm, One last smell for you. All right, good job. Good work. Good work. Next chocolate bar. Next chocolate bar. Here we go. Here we go. You might, this one's going to be nasty. I don't want to touch it. I don't want you to put it in my hand. I just want to see it close. Okay? Remember that. It's really important. (laughs) A pink sock. Oh, No. <laughs> I pick it up. It it's, oh. it's clean. It's clean. Hold I it up so I can I see think. it. I don't know why I got Does up. that count? It's pink. Oh. You got it. You got it. Woo. Woo. I heard dogs out right now? Put those dogs away. Alright, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Last one. This really slaps. All right. That was for you. All right. For this last chocolate bar, I'm giving away. I should eat this myself because you didn't have a paper clip. Last thing in your person, do you have a number two pencil? Number two pencil. (laughs) Why do girls even carry purses? Is this a number two, though? It has to be an official. It is. It's a number two. Good job. What are you going to do with that? What's your plan with that pencil tonight? (laughs) She's like, I don't know. I just have it. I have no reason for it. I just have it. Okay. That's awesome. Let's pray together as we start. Bow with me. Father, thank you for tonight that we get to be here, that we get to have fun with each other, Lord, and that the center of all this fun is Jesus. Thank you, God, that we get to spend some time right now talking about you, hearing from you, and that in a minute we'll get to respond to that and worship you and tell you how awesome you are. Would you protect us tonight? Would you speak to us? Would you cause us to leave here different and changed by you? We invite your Holy Spirit with us right now, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So here's the deal. We're in Hebrews chapter 4 tonight. We're still going through our Hebrew series, so pop your Bibles open or check out the screens. Hebrews 4. We're in verse 2. The reason why we did that game tonight is I wanted to kind of show you something. Um, we're going to hit a passage that's going to be a little bit in our face tonight, all right? And, and most of Hebrews has been that way. That's no exception. But tonight, the author of Hebrews is really saying a hard truth, and he's saying it very bluntly, and between knowing and doing. There's a difference between knowing and doing, and a lot of times, we take both of those things and just kind of lump them in one pot. Like, I know, so therefore, in my mind, I've already accomplished. I can do the thing. I don't have to actually go do the thing because I know about the thing. I grew up in a YouTube culture, and I've seen that YouTube video, so therefore, I'm this expert at a thing, right? Sometimes we just immediately assume that if we know that we do. And when we translate it to our faith, a lot of times, here's what we do. My family goes to church, My parents are Christians. I go on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. And so therefore, because I know, I've heard about Jesus plenty. I've read the Bible. You know, I've prayed with people like that whole deal. All of a sudden, I'm good to go with Jesus. That means that my heart is full of faith and I'm in this thriving relationship with Jesus just because my family has gone to church for a while. But there's a difference between knowing and doing, right? I could tell you, a thing all night long. I could say, hey, I need chapstick tonight. And you can know that in your head, but until you can take that chapstick and you can run it up to the front and you can literally hand it to me, it does you no good. You're still sitting with no chocolate, right? There's a doing component. It's not just the knowing. And the difference, when we're talking about Christianity, the author's going to tell us tonight that there's a lot of us who are just like, I know about Jesus, and that's real cool. But until you let Jesus actually come in and change your heart, That knowledge is worthless. You may as well just keep sitting in your chair because you're not getting the thing Jesus is offering you. You're not responding to Christ by saying, go ahead, take it, take my heart. And so read with me. We're going to look through, starting in verse two. It says, for we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they didn't share the faith of those who obeyed. Now, we who have believed enter the, that rest, just as God had said. So I declared on oath in my anger, and they shall enter my rest. And yet, his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he's spoken about the seventh day in these words On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some, to enter that rest, and since those who had formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Here he goes back, and he's telling us about the people of Israel again. He's been doing that for a few passages now. We've been watching kind of the story of the people people of Israel. And this thing that God wants to do for them This, he's offering them rest. And you're like, rest is awesome. I bet a lot of you guys rest. It's summer. Hopefully, you're getting tons of rest. Some of you guys aren't even waking up till. let's find out. Let's see who wakes up around 10 o'clock during the summer. A.M. Okay, all right. 11 a.m., any late sleepers? A few of you. Who regularly wakes up at noon during the summer? No, you, you are. 1 p.m. All right, now we need to talk about like being sloths from the Bible, right? There's a whole nother, another sermon series after this. All right, we like our rest, right? I hope you're getting good rest. I hope you're enjoying your summer. Woo, that was loud. Okay, scared me. Woo. Here's the rest that Jesus is offering us. Is different. It's not just this physical rest that he's talking about here. And so as we walk through this, I want you to imagine a different rest, a rest that doesn't just mean like, oh, man, I'm not tired anymore because I had a good rest. But this rest, that means there's nothing left to do. This thing's perfect. It's complete. I don't have to do another thing here, right? There's this completeness that he's talking about when he says rest. So he says, for we also have the good news proclaimed to us. He's talking about, he's comparing them, right, us today. And the people of this time where he's writing and he's saying, hey, the Jews, God's people, they had this rest offered to them. He brought them up to this promised land and they're there. And he's like, hey, you can go in. I've done this thing for you. And what happens? They mess up and then they can't even go in the promised land. They got to go roam in the desert. And so they missed the whole thing. That whole generation dies and never gets to go into this promised land. And when it talks about rest there, it's not saying they're going to go and set up their hammocks and some palm trees and drink coconuts. Like, that's not the deal. What he's saying is, it's complete. Like, my plan's finished. I brought you to the place I promised you to be, and there's nothing left to do. Like, this thing's perfect. And they never got to see that. And so the author's making this comparison in our lives. He says, for we also had the good news proclaimed to us. Like, we get to hear about Jesus. <laughs> There's such a better rest waiting for you and me than just some, like, promised land. It's heaven. And even, even better than that, it's a relationship with Jesus where, guess what, you don't have to do. You don't have to try to impress God anymore. You don't have to, like, work and, and, and kind of, like, make this list of goods and bads and hope one outweighs the other and you get, like, this check mark to get into heaven. Like, that's not the deal anymore. Jesus literally said, I'm doing the whole thing. The work's done and you get to rest. You could just trust me now. You could just surrender and I'm doing the work. I went to the cross. I was beaten. I died. I rose again. The work's done. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear sin. You can literally just rest knowing that I've done the whole thing. That's so much better. And just like they heard this promise of salvation, right? This good news, we hear it too about Jesus. And he says, but the message they heard was of no value to them. Why not? Why would their message be of no value? Because it says they didn't share the faith of those who obeyed. It's one thing to hear it and be like, wow, that's really good news. Like the people of Israel, they were literally like looking at the promised land. This was called like the land of milk and honey. Like this was an incredible land. And God's like, it's yours. It's right there. And that's when everything goes wrong. (laughs) And I wonder how many of us sit in a service like this or have Christian friends or family that are always telling us about the promised land, about this good news, about Jesus who loves you so much no matter what you've done, no matter what you bring to this place tonight, what kind of sins you look back on and you're ashamed of, Jesus looks at you and promises you something. That's right here in front of you tonight. How I know that? Because I'm telling you about it. Jesus loves you so much that he's literally died for you, that he rose again from the dead, and he looks at you and he's offering this good news of salvation, and you're looking at it. You're this close. Will you be like the people of Israel and be that close and still miss it? It's like it's right here. But you have to make a choice, just like they did when they looked and chose not to go in. You will choose whether or not you actually receive Jesus. Some of us are like, I'm good. I don't really need Jesus. My life's sweet right now. I have awesome friends. I have this really beautiful girlfriend. I have whatever your deal is, right? You're like, my life's awesome. And Jesus is like, you're missing me. Most important part of your life. And you're going to miss it because you're too distracted by all this other stuff. It says they didn't go in because they didn't have the faith to obey. And I wonder how many of us tonight are still waiting to have faith to obey Jesus when he says, listen, this is what I want you to do. Trust me. Will you surrender your heart to me? Just become mine and I will do the work. But when we lack the faith to say yes to that, you miss out on the salvation he wants to give you tonight. You're running up to the stage where Jesus is and you're so close to hand him the thing. And you're like, here's my faith, here's my trust. But you don't, you just stop and you turn around and go back to your seat and miss out on that salvation that he wants to just reach out and say, I love you, I forgive you. Don't miss out on it tonight. There's two types of faith, right? Faith that doesn't save is this. This one doesn't work. It's Romans 2.25 tells us, circumcision has, no value, has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you've become as though you had not been circumcised. So like you can try to follow the law and do these, like, these things that you think make God happy or like attend church and like get your list going, right? Of why God should be pleased with you. And you can rack up your little God points or whatever you want to do. But unless it's backed up by true faith in your heart, where you're like, Jesus, you're the reason I do these things, not I do these things, so now accept me, then you get it backwards. That's a faith that says, I'm going to try to do this thing on my own, but I'm missing the whole point. But faith that saves does this. Look at this, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. It says, and we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as human words, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. Here's the, here's the pattern. You believe, and then Jesus starts doing work in you. It's not like I work, and then Jesus decides to love me. It's I believe. That's where it starts. We're not asking you as you come in the doors tonight. We're not saying, hey, listen, you need to, like, fix all your behavior. You did this and you did that, and God knows you when you did this thing, and, like, you got to fix all this stuff so God will love you. That's not what we're saying tonight. The Bible is telling us that it starts with faith. So here's what you do. Jesus, I need you. I can't do this. I can't fix myself. I can't change myself. I can't get rid of the sin in my heart. I need you. Jesus, tonight, I trust you to do that. That's where it starts with faith, with belief, and then all of a sudden Jesus gets to work in your heart, it says. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says, But we ought also to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. You believe in the truth and the Holy Spirit sanctifies you. You know what that means? He makes you like God. He makes you holy. He cleanses your heart. He does the work after you believe. James 1.22, last one I want to show you here. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. You see, true faith is about believing. It's taking a step of belief. You know why we baptize all the time? Because people are coming forward to say, I believe. I'm not gonna quietly sit in my chair and I don't want anyone to know I believe in Jesus. I'm gonna step up, I'm gonna get in the water in front of my peers and yeah, it's scary because all these eyes are looking at me but I want you to know I'm serious. And when I'm baptized, I'm telling you, I'm not afraid and I'm not ashamed. I want you to know I'm following Jesus. It's this first step, Jesus said. The first thing he calls us to do in obedience, right? The belief is getting up here and saying, I believe and I'm not ashamed of Jesus. So true faith is a faith that gets you up on your feet, that says, Jesus, whatever you call me to do, let's go. That's where it begins. And then he does some work inside of you. And then verse three says this, read it with me. It says, now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God said. Now, here's the cool thing. (laughs) The rest he's talking about, that starts with belief. This faith that says, God, I need you, and Jesus, you can do that for me. And so, guess what? God looks at you and goes, enter. Not like the people of Israel. He was like, listen, you totally blew it. You stay out. You chose something else. Instead, he says, come in, step into salvation because this thing's done. This work is complete. My son has finished it. So, come rest in me. Step into a finished thing. And you're like, that's way too easy. Exactly. It is. It's way too easy. That's how unbelievably awesome God is. We don't deserve that. That's exactly why we call it grace. This gift that you and I don't deserve, and Jesus is like, I'm still doing it because I love you. Step into that rest. Then it says, just as God said, so I declared on oath, in my anger, right, they shall never enter my rest. So now we hear the other side of the story. God's like, hey, listen, people of Israel, you're not coming in. I know I offered this to you, but it was in this condition, right? And you came up, and all you had to do was, by faith, step into the new promised land. But instead, you lacked faith. You said, we're going to get beaten by giants. We can't go in there. There's no way we can do this thing. And all of a sudden, guess what happens? You can't come in. You don't have the faith to step in. And what he's doing here is showing us it's the same faith that we didn't have in Jesus. Some of us get so close, right? You're here tonight. You're hearing the word of God. You're hearing the gospel right now. And we're sitting here listening, but I wonder how many of us are this close. And God's like, it takes faith to step into the salvation of Jesus, but you're not willing to place your faith in him. You're still holding back. Would you take that step. To look at Jesus and say, I want to enter the rest. I want to know that the work's done, that my sins are forgiven, that I'm saved. I want to be able to just trust in Jesus. And God says, Some won't do that. Maybe even some of us here tonight will never do that. And you will miss out on the salvation that Jesus is offering you eternal life, forgiveness of your sin perfect relationship with the God who created you, you're going to miss it because you're not going to place your faith in him. You're going to get this close and then walk away. You're going to get this close and be content with this instead of a relationship with the God of the universe. Don't miss it. He goes on and he says, and yet his works have been finished. (laughs) Since the creation of the world, like he's going back to the book of Genesis, right? And you have Adam and Eve in Genesis made perfectly. And guess what? This garden was incredible. I mean, like everything is absolutely perfect. They don't have to work. They have nothing to do. Like, well, they have to work, but like it doesn't hurt. They're not sweating. They're not like, there's no effort. Everything is perfect. They walk up to this tree and like, this is the most delicious thing I could ever eat, right? And God's like, you have it all except for that one. One right there in the center. Everything else. Everything else is yours. I mean, they had it made. Talk about rest. God looked at all of this stuff and he says, it's absolutely perfect. He says, it's very good, which means absolutely perfect. They just can't get better. There's nothing left to make it better. That's what they had. And they traded it. They traded it for one crummy piece of fruit. Eternity lost. You and I still suffering the consequences of that today, thousands of years later, because of that choice. When they had perfect rest. And it's funny, because God says, enter my rest in the passage, right? His rest. Well, what is God's rest? On the seventh day, what did he do? He said, I'm resting. He stops his creative works on the seventh day. Why? Because everything's perfect. It's complete, and he says, it's yours. Don't you want this? Like, I did all of this, and now it's yours, and you can have the same rest. You don't have to go create stars and make grass grow and, like, build trees. Like, you just enjoy, literally sit in this incredible rest that I've made you, this garden, this perfection, this paradise. It's yours. There's nothing left to do. Just rest in it. And we were like, nah. I'd rather choose sin. We laugh. It sounds stupid to do. How many times have you done it this week? How many of us are guilty of sin just today? We can't go very long, right? Without temptation creeping up. Without thoughts in our head. Without sin overcoming us without choosing that over the rest and perfection that God offers us. And what he wants to do, it says in this passage, that rest that Adam and Eve had in the garden before they ate the fruit, Jesus came to restore that for us so that you can get back into it. It wasn't like, oh, it's all done. Now there's just no way out. He says, there's a way out. It's gonna be really expensive. My son is literally gonna have to pay for it with his life but I love you so much, we're going to do it. So you can go back and have that same rest that I offered you originally. It's going to be even better this time. And you guys, me, we get to look at it from this side and go, thank you. What are you doing with it? Are you looking God back in the face and you're like, keep it. I don't want it. Or do you recognize the gift that's being handed to you I want to challenge you. If you see it, grab it. God, give that to me. I want the rest. Take my heart. Take my life. I want that rest. He says, for somewhere he's spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in this passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Look what it says in verse 6. It says, therefore, right, since it still remains for some, to enter that rest. And since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them didn't go in because of their disobedience, stop right there. God is being patient. Do you see that? This work could have been done at Adam and Eve. Once they reached out and grabbed the fruit, God could have just been like, done. Punishment. The whole thing's gonna just like disappear. And he doesn't do it. That would have been justice. That would have been right of God to do. But instead, there's patience for thousands of years where he says, even today, today, he's still waiting patiently because there's still some who would choose the rest. And there's going to be plenty who don't. But maybe there's some here tonight that are like, I'm one of those. I'm so glad God was patient so glad God didn't end it there or any other time he could have between then and now. He stayed patient. And so today, because God was patient, maybe even tonight, one of you guys will be like, I want the rest. Thank you, God, for waiting. Thank you for including me and letting me tonight make that decision to say, I want you. I love his patience here because he knows that there are some that will still believe he says, "God again set a certain day, calling it today." It's like he like readjusted the timeline, right? Adam and Eve, they had a chance. They messed it up. right? They're in the garden, it doesn't work. Moses comes along. God through Moses provides this way, and people miss the point. David comes along and there's this covenant. People miss the point. And now even today, Jesus. Has come. Tonight you have the choice. Over and over we've been offered, come to my rest, come to my rest. Get this salvation. I've done the work. When will it be? Where you're like, today is my day. Today is when I say yes to Jesus. Today is when I say, I want that rest to know everything's done, to know that my sins are forgiven and I belong to Jesus. He ends it by saying, as in the passage already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I pray that if you came in the doors tonight with a hard heart, if you were that person that was like, I could care less about Jesus. I just came to hang out with some people tonight. Maybe even tonight, the Holy Spirit would soften that heart. That you would hear those words today. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Maybe tonight, if you've been putting it off, putting it off, tonight would be the night where you say, Jesus, I'm done with having a hard heart. I'm done with turning you down. Here you are once again, knocking on my heart, saying, let me in. Tonight, I say yes. Tonight, I accept your rest you bow your heads and close your eyes as a band comes up to lead us in a song of worship would you just investigate your own heart for a second and say is that me tonight if i walked in with a hard heart maybe i've been putting it off like jesus keeps knocking and i've just been saying no god would you show me that tonight would you just reveal my heart tonight do i need you Would you give me the courage to say yes to you tonight?